This podcast is brought to you by AG3D Printing, a 3D printing service where you can bring your ideas into reality. Check us out at www.ag3d-printing.com and on Instagram at AG3D Printing. And if you want to help support the podcast, use our Amazon shopping link on this week's episode, every episode, and the homepage. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. And let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Today in Space. It is late on a Monday, October 17th, 2016. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, Lazaro Rodriguez for, uh, for hitting me up on uh, Instagram. Uh, yes, this week's episode is late. Part of it is because, you know, I just had a lot of things to deal with this weekend, couldn't get it finished on Sunday, and part of it is also... Uh, um, conveniently, that uh, there was a launch tonight, um, Orbital ATK, that we're going to talk about in a minute here. They are return back to space travel, so that is a big deal. Um, so I'd rather get it done now and get you guys up to date instead of wait until next Monday when, you know, the 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 allure of that kind of a spectacular achievement has died down. So, uh, before we start, man, how is everybody doing? How is your week going? I hope, I hope it's going well. I uh, hope you're having um, good luck with whatever you're doing. And if not, I hope that you keep pushing forward and uh, uh, wishing you the strength to push forward. Um, it's been a bit of a struggle here lately, but uh, given that it's been a struggle, there's been a lot of great things happening, especially on the 3D printing front over here. Uh, I've got a few designs I've been working on, uh, completing a few things, and uh, we're going to have a few posts coming up here soon. So uh, check in next week uh, or follow online on, on Instagram uh, this week at AG3D Printing, and uh, you're going to see... My latest project, I'm putting a post together. Uh, yes, it's actually going to come out. And uh, that's probably the easiest way for you to uh, see that. And if, for whatever reason, if you know, if, if you guys are trying to check in with me and see what's going on and, and try and stay up to date on a day-to-day basis, the best way for you to do that is through uh, my Twitter account, at El Greco, E-L-G-R-3-C-O. I'm constantly updating, liking, tweeting, retweeting, space facts, 3D printing facts, news. That's the place to to figure out where the, the intravenous drip of the space industry, from my perspective, is happening. Um, so if you, know, if you see that an episode might be out late, if you're trying to find out when an episode's coming out, that's where I post that. Um, I, I'm going to be getting back into using the Facebook post more. Um, you know, it's just been really crazy busy over here and I just don't have enough time, uh, to do both. 
Um, part of that is my time commitments and part of it is my stubbornness to, uh, keep Facebook on my phone. Um, it's a personal choice. Um, <laughs> I have a problem. Uh, it is for the betterment of everybody. So <laughs> it keeps me more sane. So that's part of the reason why the Facebook page has died off. It's just literally, I don't get to it, uh, as often as I should. Um, but we'll be revamping those efforts soon. But the original point of this is not about my, uh, stand against having Facebook on my phone. It's, it's about just, if you want to stay in touch with the show on a daily basis, my Twitter account is the place to go. So once again, E L G R three C O El Greco, that's the place to look. So let's start the show. Let's uh, open this up with some orbital news. The most exciting is actually by the time I'm recording this, this recently just happened. So it's hot off the press, hot out of orbit. So orbital ATK, their Antares rocket has returned to flight. Um, this is a big deal. I mean, it has been two years since orbital ATK has launched their Antares rocket, uh, back into space. If, if you remember, two years ago, um, and if you listened that far back, uh, what happened was it, it, it exploded only a few seconds off the ground. Um, and after many, you know, a, a faulty analysis and, and, and figuring out what happened, it turned out that it was these old Russian rockets, these RD rockets that they were using. And these were rockets that had been essentially sitting in a Russian storage unit for, uh, granted, it's not like one of those storage units where those crappy shows where they, you know, lift it up and they bet on what's inside, but they can't see it. Um, no, it's not like that. Like we're talking about entire hangars with these things in there, but regardless, these are rockets from back when, you know, uh, when the Russians were really launching these, there's old rockets just sitting around and the, the Russians were like, yeah, sure. You guys want to buy them? Yeah. Yeah. We'll make some money off the Americans. Uh, why not? You've got rockets hanging around, right? But part of the problem is, is these rockets haven't been used since well, for over a few decades. Let's put it that way. Cause I'm not going to give you guys a date. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so these rockets have just been sitting around. Granted, They've been, they didn't just take them out, dust them off, and put them on a rocket. I'm sure there were plenty of safety procedures put in and all those things before <laughs> Orbital ATK launched these things. I mean, they based their entire business off of using these rockets. And another reason to credit Orbital ATK and not to make them sound like it was a, a bumbling decision on their part, because it's not. You know, uh, other, so we have SpaceX who has taken the bottom-to-top approach of building a rocket and an entire system where they manufacture and build the rocket. But originally, that's what SpaceX was trying to do, was to purchase, well, Elon Musk was trying to purchase rockets from the Russians in order to make a few flights into space because that's the cheapest way to get into space. The more expensive way is to do uh, how Elon Musk did and SpaceX has done in the beginning. It's a lot of capital up front, and you need to be able to fund all your efforts and your research and development efforts, and then your development efforts to 
create a top-to-bottom company that manufactures the whole thing. That is obviously a lot more expensive. So in Orbital ATK's case, they their Antares rocket is essentially their rocket. They may have you know outside manufacturers and suppliers, but one of the components they used to make sure that they could keep the cost down for flight so that people would actually want to launch with them because they they are offering resupply missions to the ISS, which is what this mission was today. Um, The only way to do that is to cut costs somewhere. And using a rocket, that, once again, taking the old space uh, mantra that, you know, if it's flight-proven, then you go with it. If it's flown in space and we know it works in space, use it. You know, and that's a, that's the old mantra. That's what Orbital ATK went with, uh, and it's not like they did a bad thing. You know, I mean, it's not like you know it was like they they just started launching them, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you idiots! No, they've launched over from when last I read over a hundred satellites. So Orbital ATK is not a young buck company that made a big mistake. They're pretty seasoned. Over a hundred satellite launches is a pretty hefty launch manifest. So, you know, for what happened, it was a big blow because this was not a problem before. But what ended up being was essentially they needed to redo this whole thing and figure out, okay, these Russian engines, are we can't be using these. We've got to go back to the books. We've got to, you know, figure things out. And in the meantime, you know, Orbital ATK had been contracted by NASA for orbital resupply missions. And after the explosion in 2014, two years ago, they've done two launches. And they had to, as the article here says, employ the United Launch Alliance Atlas V rockets. So think about the hit that they took. You know, I mean, just the decision you have to make. Okay, we, we have to deliver these resupply missions. You know, Orbital ATK has the Cygnus spacecraft that is resupplying the ISS. We're already bought in for these, uh, was it six total? Uh, let's see here. How many, how many total missions? Oh, 10 missions. So they were, they, their NASA bought 10 resupply missions from them. And so, in the meantime, while they're trying to figure out their Antares rocket, figure out the situation with the rocket engines and all that, they had to purchase two launches on another company's, the, the ULA's Atlas V rockets. So um, they managed to get through that. They then tried to have the launch happen, this latest launch, the OA-5. Uh, tried to happen a few times. Um, This past Saturday, they tried to launch, and they had a bunch of safety checks and pre-launch tests, and those, according to... um, According to Dale Nash, the executive director of Virginia's Commercial Space Flight Authority uh, at Wallops Launchpad, um, said that the pre-launch test went extremely well, and that... They were two of the cleanest tests we've ever seen. Uh, so that that was great news, but uh, they still had an issue at the launch pad hours before their launch on Sunday, and this was because of some support cables, uh, ground support cables on the launch pad uh, that just were not going well. Um, and then um, 
the one before that, I'm sorry, there was even a scrub before that, and that was Hurricane Nicole, and that scrubbed Thursday's launch. So, I mean, obviously, when you've got a Category 1 storm, you know, at the tracking station in Bermuda, and you're reading you're reading what this storm is capable of, you're not going to be able to launch. I mean, it's bad enough on a clear day, you can still, you know, uh, I mean, everything matters in spaceflight. So if you think about atmosphere, you know, on a calm day, you're still going to have, you know, you're looking at the entire atmosphere as a whole, as a, as a dynamic, uh, uh, that's the best way to describe this. I mean, you're, you're launching through a moving dynamic thing that has pressure and temperature and it moves and has different densities at certain points. So on a clear day, you still have to worry about certain conditions at different levels, different uh, altitudes. So given a hurricane, clearly you don't have anything to go off of. Everything is in the... (laughs) unknown and you know a rocket going at at high at maximum dynamic pressure if something like a hurricane happens number one you wouldn't even get off the launch pad because you'd probably be blown sideways but um why am i explaining why you can't launch in a hurricane i feel like that should be obvious i'm gonna stop now okay so um i don't know it's been a long week people um so regardless thursday they had the scrub Saturday, they had another scrub, but tonight, Monday, October 17th, Orbital ATK managed to launch and bring up, I think it was over, uh, let's see the number here, 5,100 pounds, uh, 2,300 kilograms of scientific science experiments, hardware, and other supplies for the astronauts on board the ISS. And, uh, you know, the Antares rocket went southeast on its way into low Earth orbit, and nine minutes into the mission, the Cygnus spacecraft entered orbit. So, uh, a big congratulations to the Orbital ATK team, um, everyone involved in the Antares rocket systems and the Cygnus spacecraft systems. I mean, congratulations. This is a huge step forward. And... um, after two years, we can finally uh, move past these two explosions and be on a, a new path forward. Uh, SpaceX has its own issues uh, that it's going towards, but uh, we talk enough about SpaceX. Uh, let's give Orbital ATK its glory uh, because it does deserve it. I would also like to take a few minutes just to touch on a few things that President Barack Obama stated uh, since the last time we had our show uh, about the space program, America's space program, and what he sees as our next steps going into space. So, uh, Mr. President, if you don't mind, uh, I am now going to quote you. Uh, I'm not going to try and do a voice. I'm not a voiceover person. But anyways... One of my earliest memories is sitting on my grandfather's shoulders, waving a flag as our astronauts returned to Hawaii. This was years before we'd set foot on the moon, decades before we'd land a rover on Mars, a generation before photos from the International Space Station would show up in our social media feeds. I still have the same sense of wonder about our space program that I did as a child. It represents an essential part of our character, curiosity, and exploration, innovation and ingenuity, 
pushing the boundaries of what's possible and doing it before anybody else. The space race we won not only contributed immeasurably important technological and medical advances, but it also inspired a new generation of scientists and engineers with the right stuff to keep America on the cutting edge. That's one of the reasons why, in my first address as president to the American people, I vowed to return science to its rightful place. In our first few months, my administration made the largest single investment in basic research in our history, and I went to the Kennedy Space Center to call for reimagining and reinvigorating our space program to explore more of our solar system and look deeper into the universe than ever. Uh, skip a few, a little bit forward. Um, don't want to give you guys the whole thing. Uh, this week, we'll convene some of America's leading scientists, engineers, innovators, and students in Pittsburgh to dream up ways to build R&R progress and find the next frontiers. Just five years ago, U.S. companies were shut out of the global commercial launch market. Today, thanks to groundwork laid by the men and women of NASA, they own more than a third of it. More than a thousand companies across nearly all 50 states are working on private space initiatives. We have set a clear goal vital to the next chapter of American story in space, sending humans to Mars by the 2030s and returning them safely to Earth with the ultimate ambition to one day remain there for an extended time. Getting to Mars will require continued cooperation between government and private innovators, and we're already well on our way. Within the next two years, private companies will for the first time send astronauts to the International Space Station. The next step is to reach beyond the bounds of Earth's orbit. I'm excited to announce that we are working with our commercial partners to build new habitats that can sustain and transport astronauts on long-duration missions in deep space. These missions will teach us how humans can live far from Earth, something we'll need for the long journey to Mars. Uh, and to end up our final statement here, or President Barack Obama's final statement, someday I hope to hoist my own grandchildren onto my shoulders. We'll still look to the stars and wonder, as humans have since the beginning of time. But instead of eagerly waiting the return of our intrepid explorers, we'll know that because of the choices we make now, they've gone to space not just to visit, but to stay. And in doing so, to make our lives better here on Earth. So a great, a great speech by uh, the president. Um, you know, I, I, whatever you do think, uh, you know, politically, whatever. Um, as far as the space industry is concerned, it has survived uh, thanks to the most recent administration. And you know, really. Does it matter, red, blue? No. It, what matters is, do you think that the space program is important? Now, that doesn't mean that uh, it hasn't been in the in before. Um, there, there's definitely a, a a strange. Well, before I go on that tangent, um, I'll, I'll start by saying it's it's a great sentiment sentiment by the president. Uh, you know, clearly stating the goals. Uh, it's very good to hear from the leader of the free country that we are still invested in this and that they're they're working on good things. So I'm very, very happy about that. Uh, it's good for America. It's good for the space program. It's good for humankind in space because we have a lot invested in, into it. 
uh, our wealth of knowledge, if it was missing, would uh, hurt human space travel tremendously. So the fact that we're going to still have uh, skin in the game is fantastic. But another issue, and this is because space travel hasn't been done by governments, there is a political side to it. And even if two different presidential candidates who run eight-year terms back-to-back both want to have a space program and are very vocal about a space program uh, and even give uh, ideas for a space program, things can get in the way. And so part of what I'm trying to say, which is the original rant I just stopped myself on, or back, um, is that, you know, with President George W. Bush, the it was the Constellation Program. It was about getting us back to the moon. It was about potentially creating, uh, you know, putting people on the moon and living there long term. But it never got there. And part of that problem was because it did not receive the funding it was supposed to uh, have. Or really, it didn't have the funding it needed to stay alive. So uh, the Constellation Program did not work. And then the Constellation Program was shut down and then revamped under the... Uh, under President Obama's administration. And it was this new uh, idea of going to Mars and creating a private industry for, the, for, uh, for space. Now, even though the mission to Mars is still very, very theoretical and there's so much going into it um, that I'll definitely go on a little bit of a rant here about, but... The smartest decision that I think both NASA and President Obama have done with uh, Administrator Bolton is create a private industry partnership that allows us to once again launch our own astronauts from, from American soil. If that is the one thing you take away from what we've been able to do since uh, 2008, for the space program, it is that. It is to put the power of going into space in the hands of these private companies, and not just one company like SpaceX or or, or Orbital ATK. Over a thousand different companies getting getting skin in the game and, and being able to get involved and having an, a door to walk through as far as getting into the space industry game. Um, that has been huge on many, many different levels. And without that, we would be in a lot more trouble, as, as it were, if we weren't allowing these private companies to do this. So uh, that is a huge, huge deal. Um, it's, it's given us the ability to stay in the space race as far as the earth is concerned as far as humankind is concerned the u.s is now staying in space because the private industry is now in itself um able to grow and not be hindered down completely by complete government contracts by you know government intervention and then politics and then funding so i think that is a huge huge thing that has been done and you have to thank the Obama administration and the combined effort of the Obama administration and 
NASA Administrator Charles Bolden for putting together that plan and working together to create a way to get us back in the game. Because, you know, without it, we would still be paying the Russians uh, millions of dollars per seat to send an astronaut into space. And you just can't run a space industry that way. You just can't do it. So we picked up where we left off with the shuttle program dying. And we are now able to say that in the future, we're going to be able to send. We have multiple options of sending astronauts into space. So we're going to see the fruits of that very soon with both Boeing and SpaceX. So that is huge. Um, the other thing that, that is a concern to me is with the next election, um, what direction NASA will be told to move in because it is a government agency, so it can be told what to do. Now, I read an article a little while back. I'm sorry I don't have it for you. But um, in the event that Hillary Clinton does become president, um, there has been talks. And this is all speculation. This is a Hillary Clinton advisor who stated that uh, uh, she was uh, this advisor was it was a science advisor for I believe Bill Clinton when he was president President Bill Clinton and um, he was uh, in the article speaking on behalf um, where he was basically saying that the idea is to move back and Hillary Clinton has stated this too is that moving focus back to the moon so that we can do international partnerships so that, you know, we don't lose ground where Russia and China and I believe India and where these uh, in the European Space Agency are planning on building these moon colonies for testing, you know, human duration in space and, and what human living is going to be like. And I share that sentiment. I do believe that it is the right move as far as long term, but I'm worried about what this means for the direction of NASA, because the way it's done right now is essentially we put our eggs in one basket we're building this one giant system, the Space Launch System. Before it was the Constellation System. It was to get us back into deep space, beyond, you know, uh, to the moon or further. You know, we haven't been there since the Apollo program. So it's been a long time. And so now we've had two different directions we now have two different launch systems and essentially each time we've done this we've put all of our eggs building one giant system to get us there where we had a very good system with with the Saturn 5 we we had the best system it worked fantastically and now we keep trying to rebuild the wheel and build this ferrari to go where we're supposed to go and it's part of the reason why I love what SpaceX is doing is because they're building a Honda to go to Mars and to the moon and, and to anywhere in space. But they're building lots of them and being able to test lots of them where with the other way, 
we're building one giant spectacular machine that if anything goes wrong, you lose and you lose big. Where with something like the Falcon 9 or something like that, you're still going to lose potentially, but you have more chances to be successful. And I don't really care what direction we go in. I don't care if we go in the direction of the moon, and I don't care if we go in the direction of Mars, but we need to pick one. You know, I've heard arguments online that why are we trying to focus NASA's efforts on and funding that funding which is crucial that that could be you that could be used for so many different projects and bring so many different minds together for amazing feats of science and engineering when we've already got a company that's working on getting us to Mars and they had already done that plan before NASA came up with their plan and released it in public the whole reason the whole crux of the reason Elon Musk started SpaceX was originally, before it was SpaceX, was to help NASA get to Mars and help humans get to Mars. And when he looked online and there was nothing there and he looked and asked and searched for what their plan was and there was none, he decided, let's do it. And he came up with a plan and an action and all of that was in motion and was ready to go before NASA even came up with their plan, it wasn't that long ago that they actually had a real plan. So some have argued that why are we wasting our money trying to build this big, great machine when another company's doing it? And we don't have to spend our tax money doing it if they're going to do it with their own private money. Let's just support them and be a part of it and maybe use some of the funding to help make it better. You know, another side of it is, well, why didn't we just figure out a way to make the Constellation mission work or just to refocus what we were going to do? You know, I mean, we're in a weird spot where, you know, we we lost the shuttle, so we lost our capability to send humans into space. And then uh, at the same time, we lost lots of ground in our planetary exploration you know, I mean, New Horizons is a great mission, but there we, we've already missed out on key funding areas because the money was not there, where we're going to have a gap, a long gap. I don't remember how many years it is, but we've already lost ground on exploration in our solar system because the funding was not there to get these projects moving. I want to say it's something like eight years that we're not going to have anything launched and going to another planet or, you know, it might even be as bad. Don't quote me on this. I apologize. I'm, I'm giving you guys potentially misinformation, but I'm on a roll here. But we might, we may even have a point where we're only going to have a few things searching different planets in our solar system. And that is because bureaucracy got in the way. Things got too complicated. People were arguing. It doesn't matter what side you're on. It really doesn't. The, ma- the fact of the matter is that people were arguing and things did not get done and now we're paying for it. 
And it's like that with any government. When people don't focus on making things better, they argue on stupid things, little things that really shouldn't matter. I think we can all be in agreement with that. And because of that, we're paying with our program. And one of the things I don't want to see is NASA's efforts being misused. And I worry about what refocusing, what NASA's plan is right now, to another plan before it even has legs to go because the eight years are going to end here very soon and there's a chance that things could be pulled to a whole new direction. That means people lose jobs. That means all the science we've put together that we're working on dies. And that's a big blow to our space program. So all I want is for our program to have a definite direction and for it to stay moving in that direction. There's going to be squabbles about how much should be appropriated year to year. But please, please, for the love of science, please let us just pick a, a, a direction and stick with it. Please. There's, with NASA's plan to Mars, there's plenty to go off of. If you want to refocus what living in space is going to be like and making sure that humans are being, then let's focus that in our plan that we already have going. Turning, turning this machine around, this ship around, when it's already going in one direction is a bad idea. And I don't see with either candidate this is going to be a good thing. So, um, granted, I mean, with uh, there are plenty of other people that could be f- put for it, but I'm not going to get I'm not going to get political. We're going to do a space politics episode before the election, where we'll talk plenty of that. What I'm trying to say is, we need to stay on course and put the money where it needs to be put. Starting something brand new opens up a whole bunch of different problems and costs money. So let's focus on what we're doing already and keep moving forward. Because I just don't see a solid plan happening if we just decide to uproot it. But I'll leave it there and uh, give you a few seconds to ponder. Now, before I go this week, I had I had a thought that uh, drove me a little bit crazy on one of my drives homes. Uh, you know, I listen to podcasts all the time, and uh, it's the the life of the commuter, uh, and it's that's where I fell in love with podcasts in the first place. And I was listening to a podcast, and someone was talking about, uh, and it's not just in podcasts. I hear this online, and when I talk to people all the time, it's it's a topic of, you know. Why are we sending people into space? Why are we worried about getting people to Mars? Why are we not focusing on Earth and making Earth better? And inevitably, a lot of that conversation ends up boiling down to reusability. You know, we need to focus on, you know, reusable fuel and reusable energy and and this and that. And why do you think... 
my, my contention to that is why do you think that it hasn't happened on earth already? I mean, I'm definitely of, of the mindset that we need to be able to understand how climate is changing so that if it gets real bad, we can appropriate, you know, and tell people, okay, this area of the world is going to get devastatingly bad, you know, hot or cold, you know, whatever way, whatever extreme it's going to be, or drought or whatever it might be. You know, we need to be able to uh, show people and, and move resources around so that people are able to live in areas that are sustainable. You know, I don't think the whole world is going to break apart and destroy itself. I think it's going to move around. And that's where the danger comes in is, okay, you know, things are going to change. How do we make sure that we're in the good, in the right place, you know, and how do we set ourselves up to get through this? Um, I definitely think that is part of what NASA's doing right now is being able to understand um, what is going on with with the change in the climate. Uh, And I think that's a great thing. But why do you think part of the reason is that we haven't really pushed to figure it out? And... You could take the conspiracy theorist route and say, well, it's because they want to do this and they want to do that and and they just want to control us, blah, 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 blah. It's oil. Oh, my God, it's all about the oil. No. I honestly believe that the reason we haven't done it is because we haven't had the need to. We haven't gotten to this desperation point where human beings are so good. At, at figuring out and, and, and solving. When human beings are put, uh, just like any animal, back against the wall, nowhere else to go, you find a way. It's part of, you know, desperation. And, and just that's where human beings achieve their greatest. You know, um, not that I like using this example, but... Um, unfortunately in my generation, this is really all we have to, we'd had no war. So, you know, different things like the Orlando shooting, um, and the Boston bombings and 9-11, people came out to the, the, the human spirit came out and people figured out how to get things done. People rose to the occasion to save those who were, who, you know, with 9-11, with the Boston bombings, people rose to the occasion to help the people that were injured as, and, 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 and just knew there was no more questioning. It was, I need to do this. With the Orlando shooting, I don't think you've seen a, a greater outreach of love to the gay community. You know, and it is sad that it has to get to that point. It is sad that we have to get to that desperation point before people start looking at it and saying, what are we doing? This matters. Or it doesn't matter. You know, whatever the situation is that you get put behind. When human beings are put against the wall and there is no more 
and they and they've decided the only way forward is in front of us. That's when we shine. Take it back to space, Apollo thirteen. Those three human beings were given a death sentence. Nothing in anyone's experience, no one had ever dealt dealt with something like that before. We had never send human beings on in in such a dire situation. They were fucked. But did we give up? No. And nobody in that room had a solution. But you know what? They came together. They figured out and took what they had in front of them. I mean, given anything else, what would have been the best thing at the time? It would have been to have designed something on Earth that would have been perfect and then sent it to them so that they could survive. But guess what? We didn't have that option. It wasn't there. So they had to make use with what they had and figure out, work the problem. That's the classic saying I want everyone to take away is work the problem. And the reason that I think that became such a great and iconic thing for the space program, America's space program, is that they had to work the problem because they deal in such dire situations all the time. The risk is so, so high that they are always in a dire situation. So they know how to problem solve better than anybody else. They know how to deal with that level of pressure better than anybody else because of that discipline. Because of we need to make this happen. So if you want to talk about reusability, there is no better place to figure out reusability than through space, through putting humans in space to live long term. We already are halfway there. We're already drinking piss. Recycled piss. It's the upper 90% of the water on the International Space Station is recycled. That includes urine, people. So, reusability, recyclability, they will figure it out because they have to. They don't have another option. And you don't have to have a terrible event like a global meltdown or a a global catastrophe from climate to figure out how we're going to be able to, to have reusability, which will then move us away from things that are fucking up the planet. I mean, whatever you think about whether burning gas or coal is good or uh, is fucking up the environment and causing global warming, take that emotional argument out of it because that's what it's become. It's become an emotional argument. Just take the simple fact that can we all agree that it's not good? It can't be doing any good to, to put coal into the air and to be changing the chemical makeup of our atmosphere, even if it's only a few percents, percentages. We can all agree that's not a good thing, right? So let's start there. So then what is the best 
place for us to get there without having to get to the point where we have this big event like a war or a shooting or a terrorist attack for us to finally say, you know what, we need to figure this shit out. It's to do it in a controlled environment like the space program. It is, it is the ultimate proving ground for human beings. It puts them against the wall on purpose. But guess what? It's on our terms, for the most part, Apollo 13 and, and those kind of incidents aside. But still, you have a dedicated team, the smartest minds, the best minds for the job are there. So even in dire situations like that, when people are fucked, we have them there to work the problem, to figure it out. So if you want to work on reusability and, and figuring out new ways and, and t- having a testing ground where we can think outside the box and not be strapped to, oh, well, it's never worked like that here, or, you know... Uh, oh, well, we're stuck on oil. Well, guess what? In space, we're not stuck on anything. We're not addicted to anything. We're not addicted to fossil fuels in space. We're not addicted to having McDonald's five times a week. They need to figure there is no McDonald's on fucking Mars and there's no fucking McDonald's on the way to Mars. So guess what? They're going to have to figure it out. And along the way, when they're figuring these things out, we're going to learn so much about what reusability really means. You know, we're going to figure out ways to, once we start colonizing and, and, and putting people there, we're going to figure out different ways to use energy and to make sure that it's the most efficient way possible, potentially even getting new ways to do that. I mean, what I'm trying to say is that if you hear anybody who says, that, and and most of these people never have any good reason. They just heard it somewhere and repeating it. But if you ever get in a point, take a breath. Nice deep one in and out. Realize they don't know what they're talking about. And then explain to them the situation that we've already tried it. It's not working here. And unless we get to the situation where everyone is fucked, we're not going to figure it out. I think the biggest laugh is that they had the meeting for global climate change and a scientific organization actually had, I think it's a scientific organization, actually had the gall to say that there's nothing we can do to solve this problem. A scientific organization said that there is no answer. That's just ludicrous to me. And that just shows you the problem that we're not, we don't have our backs against the wall. We haven't decided that that's not an an answer. You can't give that answer. You need to find a way. Put the right minds on it. Figure out what the problem is. You know? And and I don't want us to have to sit back and wait for another disaster to happen. And the best way for that is to keep the space program going and to keep human beings going into space because they are the best people to figure this out. 
and we have them, so let's keep using them. And that's it this week, people. I want to leave you with that. Chew on that for a week, and we'll be back next week. I hope you have a fantastic week. Go out there, spread love, spread science, and be unapologetically yourself, okay? Seriously, go out there and do you. And don't take shit from anybody. (laughs) Oh, I got amped up this episode. But I love everybody. I love all of you. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out AG3D Printing. We're going to have a new post soon. I love y'all. See you next week.